Welcome to the Creatively Connected Podcast from Education Closet. Connecting teachers and ideas one glue stick at a time. Here's your hosts and K-12 Art Chat founders, Matt and Laura Grundler. Be here today. It is. We've got our <laughs> we've got our hosts, Rabbi Michael Cohen. Yes. And and, uh, and we're Laura and Matt Grunler. And this is the very first, first episode of um, the Creatively Connected Classroom. Classroom. And um Rabbi, it's wonderful to have you. We have so many questions for you. <laughs> um, recently you hosted a chat for us, and the topic around it was helping creativity beyond the making. Um, and mindset versus art set. So um, first, tell us a little bit about yourself and your personal background. And um, I'm sure your story is pretty amazing because you <laughs> you wear lots of different hats as a designer and a rabbi and a teacher and all these things. So um, we just want to hear all about that. Great. Well, thank you for having me. Um, you know, the the idea of being the first guest is always exciting because <laughs> it's, it's, it's part of that journey. And I think that that the firsts are always the most difficult because mm-hmm. we, we want it to be perfect. We want it to work, but we just have to start. And a little bit about me. So I am Michael Cohen, the tech rabbi, and I was sort of assuming my life would be the life of a designer and hopefully a famous artist with you know shows in New York. And I, I did attempt that and it, it was working, but it was very, it was very difficult and there was a moment where I realized that difficult things are, are part of growth, but you need to really be aware of what's occurring around you. Mm-hmm. And the way that the journey occurred was doing design, doing art, finding an opportunity to teach, um, you know, like design fundamentals at the Fashion Institute in Los Angeles and getting I, this is like so I, I was asked a definitive moment yesterday in a in a in a, in a leadership uh, gathering at the school that I worked at. Like, what was your definitive moment? <laughs> and I'm looking. I'm thinking. Okay, this is this is it. So I get to share it a second time. I never considered myself an educator, and I've shared this a number of times. I was a designer, and I just happened to teach design courses. That that was a a side hustle, so to speak. And I got the first student reviews of my course and I I was shared this by the department lead they were very eager to share the results mostly because they really hadn't seen such positive uh, (laughs) feedback from students that I I I was I I listened to them I supported them they felt independent they felt empowered and this is a a trade school so it was a spectrum of you know Mm -hmm. 17 year olds all the way to 40 50 year olds and they all had this sort of feeling of empowerment to the point that the school then the second semester said, let's double your workload. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's okay, like, yeah. make this happen. So now Bring I'm teaching on. like three, four courses and loving it. And then the journey of others engaging with me, becoming a, you know, a high school design instructor, becoming a director of education technology, then 2016. So I, I, I finished this year as my ninth year uh, as a, as a, an educator. And I, I had left my school in 2016 because I needed to sort of find, re- rediscover my own sweet spot in what I was doing and really trying to find a new way to grow. And I, I was traveling all over the place, 
um, internationally. I've, I visited uh, Monterey, Mexico, and really just a lot of, of national, uh, you know, trip taking uh, Oklahoma, Indiana, Texas, <laughs> Florida, yeah. really cool places and places that maybe you wouldn't expect a tech rabbi. You know, I am a, an Orthodox Hasidic Jew. And that's kind of out of the ordinary. And, and many times, if you would sort of Google, you know, a Hasidic Jew, they tend to be insular in communities. Mm-hmm. And the group that I am, that I, that I'm a part of, that my family's a part of, is all about sort of like spreading the light and really going out into the world, engaging with people and showing them that they have so much just incredible potential that's untapped. Yeah. And that really has sort of driven me to then realize that, that creativity has is sort of been this this sort of elephant in the room of uh, mm-hmm. either you are a natural drawer which there's no such thing like you, you right. don't just, yeah. you're not just like born and then all of a sudden you're drawing and what <laughs> what what has been sort of interesting is i reflect back to especially in my younger years in elementary school there's this one student um you know i'll never forget how incredible he was at drawing and he he made it seem so easy, but then he's like, no, I just draw all the time. And you, you don't think about that. Right. Mm-hmm. You just sort of see the final work that they do mm-hmm. or, you know, going to uh, visit some friends at UCLA's uh, art school and seeing people uh, tracing and, and, and painting over projector images on the canvas and sort of like destroying my purest <laughs> of what, like, good, good, good art looks like, so to speak. And then realizing, no, it's about that that drive to share a story and an idea and yes. doing whatever you can to achieve that. And some people will do it by, you know, spending four years painstakingly painting in oil and others are going to do it like, you know, Duchamp and, you know, throw a urinal down on the table and, and yeah. call it a day. So it's, it's that drive to, you know, challenge and, and create a conversation. I think, you know, that, for me has, has been the journey to now being um, a director of innovation at a boys uh, high school in Los Angeles, Eula boys high school is creativity needs to take a new, it needs a a rebranding Mm -hmm. and it still should support the ways right now that we understand creativity. And those individuals should of course be encouraged to continue, but there is a thought process and there's a way of even partnering with people to do incredibly creative things. Even if you don't have that skill, and that's what really gets me sort of excited to be sitting here today and, and having these conversations. Yeah, awesome. I, mean, I think everything you said is <laughs> is right in line with, you know, our fundamental beliefs and, and really getting people to see that it's a process and it's a practice. Um, I think that... Well, I, I just had a conversation with somebody yesterday, you know, the the instant society that we live in, you know, you watch those do-it-yourself shows and people you know, jump in and go, oh, yeah, that looks so easy because it looks easy on TV. You know, they don't show the struggles or show how they work through those struggles. It's like, oh, here I am. I'm drawing. And then, oh, look, it's all finished now. So, you know, to see that process is is really and to understand that process of learning. It's it's really important. And I think for our students, for them to understand that there is failure in all of that. And that's where I think that's where the magic sometimes happens is in that failure. So getting them there is is the hard part, but I I would agree completely that getting the shift in mindset mm-hmm. for our educators to understand that creativity is 
is something that they can all do. I think you said earlier, you know, some people have this mentality that you're just born talented and that's not, (laughs) that's not the case. Um, You know, Michael, I got to see you at iPad Palooza in Austin, Texas in something like 2015, Mm -hmm. I think 15 or 16 is the first time I ever saw you. And one of the things that I thought was so brilliant you know, we're at this big iPad palooza <laughs> with conference and you bring out a number two pencil. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I need to, I need to bring that one back. In my <laughs> a new sort of 2018 version, you know, pencil 2.0, but it was, it was a moment for me of seeing this over-focus on, on digital yeah. And even, you know, I won't say who, but for those that, that know the realm of tech, you know, there is the paperless phenomena of oh, paperless. We got to go paperless. Da, da, da. And I, I read a tweet on Twitter. So it's there. It's out there that paperless shouldn't come at the expense of and then it elaborated. I think that was an important you know, mm-hmm. point, because what I was trying to do back in 2015 is really dispel the myth, myth that the device is digital and that the device is the end goal. And, you know, I got a, I got a, I got a BFA in, um, in the printmaking mm-hmm. and, you know, that, you know, the, for those that don't know what the BFA is, it's a bachelor's with an extra year of studio work. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time in printmaking with a lot of different mediums, grease pencils on litho stones, wood carving, metal etching tools, silk screen, serigraph, all of these tools beyond just the pencil and the paintbrush. And I really created an appreciation mm-hmm. for different types of mediums in different ways and digital. And the way that I sort of came to this conclusion was, you know, Carl Hooker, he created this iPad Palooza event. He's, you know, he's a colleague and a friend of mine. And he, he said, you know, you have this, this mini keynote, this like five, whatever it was, five minutes, yeah. you know, <laughs> sort of like, you got to let them, you know, you got to l- share something that's impactful. And I was like, I gotta do something crazy. I gotta like just blow their minds. And the only way I could think about it was to really try to find the way of talking about a device and getting them to just believe that it's a MacBook or a, or a Samsung Galaxy Note, whatever it is, but then it's a pencil. Mm-hmm. And it's a pencil at the end because our devices don't define us. Our desires and how we use the tool is what should define and, and really just des- be described. And I just, you know, just yesterday on Facebook, a friend of mine, I bought an iPad Pro. What are apps to help me be productive? So I, I responded and he ignored me, which I, I responded, you know, with a little tongue in cheek. <laughs> it's like, what, like, what are you trying to do? Like, right. there's so many ways to be productive, but like, what is it? What are you trying to do? So yes, I could tell you like the top 10 productivity apps and even those types of lists are not as effective as I need to be effective in this very specific thing. Exactly. Okay. Right. And so it's that pencil mentality of, whether it's a pencil or an Apple pencil, whatever device it is, it has to be intentional and has to have purpose-driven <laughs> reasoning behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I got to bring that one back. No, it was, I mean, I will tell you for me, like, especially I, you know, I work with about a hundred art teachers and uh, I'm trying to integrate tech, but in a very meaningful way, I'm, I'm definitely on the Kathy Hunt bandwagon of traditional. Oh, yeah. 
Like it has to be traditional art with this blend of how can we utilize the iPads to show process, um, to take photos, to take pictures of works in progress, to extend Mm -hmm. that art making into a whole new piece. Mm -hmm. Um, But the traditional has to be there as well. Um, And it, again, very intentional and purposeful. Um, So, Again, we had the, I just, your chat that we had with us in our, our PLN on Twitter was oh phenomenal. Gosh, that blew up. <laughs> it was so great. That, night. that was crazy. Um, so I think we wanted to kind of run through some of the questions you wrote yeah. and see what your, yeah. your thoughts were on yeah. them. Yeah, kind of expand on them a little bit. I mean, I was so, I love the title of it because mindset versus art set, you know, the breaking that down of, you know, dispelling the myth more or less of, oh, well, you're an artist, so you must be creative or, you know, that there are other ways to be creative that we just, we sometimes miss. And I think that's, you know, it all, it is all based on mindset. And so, um, all right. So I think we'll just start with question two, actually. I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, question two just said, do you feel that it's more important or it, do you feel it's important to start uh, to first start helping students develop a creative mindset before developing creative output. It's kind of hard because we're throwing your question back at you, but yeah. we'd love to know your answer. So I, when I was authoring this question, I, I wanted pushback. I mm-hmm. wanted conversation. And so I, you know, if, if I created a question that was pretty straightforward, it would have been a simple response and kind of there would have been that awkward lull between the timing of question two and three (laughs) because I I would push back on my own question. I think that students should dabble and experiment and experience hand-on experiences. I think that when we talk about, um, you know, different activities in, in the lower elementary school to just get them to overcome a lot of their, of their, like, they don't have self-doubt when they're young, right? Because they don't have enough experience to build That's up right. the doubt. Mm-hmm. But they struggle with like, well, what what should I, until you mm-hmm. tell them, just do. And then they're fine. It's right. when they're in middle school that you say, just do. And they're like, wait, no, no, you need to tell me what to do. Uh, <laughs> like, you so can true. do whatever you want. But at the same time, we have to help them develop this mm-hmm. way of thinking. So that you don't have, and I shared this in my ISTE keynote, this moment where someone's going to say that like your art is bad or what you created was bad. And yeah. if you're not ready in, you know, mentally to develop or to digest that, then you might shut off and just mm-hmm. dis- disassociate yourself with any sort of creative process or experimentation. And then you'll become an adult that says, oh, I can't draw a stick figure. I mean, I'll never forget... <laughs> South by Southwest 2016, I had a really long flight. I get there, there's like delays and stuff. And I get to my hotel room and the, the concierge checks me in. He's like, why are you here? Stop by. Oh, what's your session? Creativity. Oh, I'm not creative. Well, what do you, what do you, you know, what do you do? Do you do anything besides work at the hotel? Oh yeah, I'm getting my master's in cinematography. Like, what? like, am I getting trolled right now? Yeah, right. Like a hidden camera I think you show. Just, where's Ashton Kusher? I mean, you just right. got So, yeah. So it's 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 a mix. I think that we we have to have our students develop a vernacular and a set of of thoughtful experiences and reflective experiences on creative processing, like the thirty circle challenge developed by yes by um, Bob McKim at Stanford. And I can't say that enough because people are retweeting 
my my 30 circle drawing that I created a template that I just felt looked prettier uh, <laughs> and like I didn't create that so I'm like I gotta really sort of be 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 careful about making sure that that's clear because I think you know that the steel like an artist yes. approach is you know you build on but you you can't you know, obviously you can't steal. It's a, it's a, you know, a double, you know, double yeah. edge. Right. But it, it's, I think it's really important, the thought process. And I think that in certain ways it's more valuable, but it shouldn't be one of those don't like, we're not going to start. I had a, I had a professor in art school. He said, we won't get on the computer until we've spent four weeks of the semester hand drawing. It was a typography course. Oh, wow. wow. I was ready to like gouge my eyes out. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Five years later, I now have such an appreciation and awareness around the, 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 the space of typography and also just how fonts are mm-hmm. paired and engaged with. Right. So it's like, you, you have to sort of experience the bigger picture, but then like in the midst of it, you're like, Nails on chalkboard, right? (laughs) Hi there. This is Susan Riley, founder of Education Closet. We hope you're enjoying this first episode of the Creatively Connected Classroom. In case you'd like to connect with Rabbi Cohen and Team Grunler, along with all of our other hosts, please be sure to check out K-12 Art Chat on Twitter. The chat is held every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Central Time, and it's a great way to continue this kind of conversation. Just go to twitter.com and search hashtag K12ArtChat. We look forward to chatting with you over there soon. Now let's head back to the show. You have to have a balance. You have to have a balance. Balance. Oh, I, you know, I think that, that that's a word that comes up a lot for us. Also, you hit on two other words, reflective practice um, and challenge. Um, I guess that's three words, but uh, so how would you integrate challenges into any classroom, not necessarily an art room, but any general ed classroom? Um, how would you see challenges being integrated? So I'm, it's, it's a work in progress. I, I, I'm, my, my current focus right now is how can we take the design thinking process and do two things with it. One is, Create big, big idea, big project experiences that happen maybe once a semester. So two times a year, very design driven. You know, I don't think it's really project based learning in its pure sense because it doesn't have like some of the tenets of, of PBL. But it's at the end goal is identifying community and improving community. And a community can be, you know, a, a small group of friends. It can be a classroom. It can be a school. It can be, let's get out of our school and do something incredible. So that's like a big idea. But coverage is, is a big challenge in every school. I've never met a school that said, oh, coverage isn't a problem. So I've, I've, hear, I've heard, had, had interesting conversations with some people. And my, my hunch seems to be spot on, which is disconnect, de- decompartmentalize the design thinking process mm-hmm. and show how each one of the processes stands alone and then use that design driven process as a driver for learning that happens in the classroom. So how can we employ empathy when we are learning in literature? How can we employ prototyping when we're learning about history and, you know, just, you know, shameless self-promotion. I turned it into a course. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, um, it's my first time canning any, 
anything that's stuck in my head. It's been a, a, a month long. I've been working on this since November, months and months of just refining and creating video content. So it should be released very soon with uh, Participate as a, a partner. Um, and that we have some participate love as well. Yeah. So So I'm really, I mean, I, the group's incredible. They've been incredibly supportive, but it's really just the focus of this course is to solve this challenge of how do we bring this into our classroom in a big idea, Mm -hmm. but also small moments of growth and experience. How exciting. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I, there's not, I mean, I just can't really respond because I'm just like, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. The whole time you're talking, I'm like, yeah, makes the last. So Matt's making this jump into middle school this year, but the last two years at elementary, his whole focus has been design thinking and community. Yeah. (laughs) So it's really, it's like, I think that's, you know, that's part of what I love about PLN is that you find these thought partners and you realize you have so many commonalities Mm -hmm. that, that are moving things forward. It's really exciting. Um, is there a question that you felt especially um, provoked by, or you felt like it maybe even provoked our Twitter audience um, that you wanted to kind of circle around back to? Yeah, I'm trying to think back. It, it was really, it, it was one of the, I mean, just to sort of give you both a shout out. Uh, if it wasn't for bedtime with my children, I would be on every, every single chat that happens. I'd be there. And, you know, also shout out to my wife who, who gave me permission to abandon her during bedtime, (laughs) right? But like the, the, the engagement didn't stop and it was just, you know, days Mm -hmm. after, and then you re-engaged it the week after and the conversations kept going. And that's what I really love about that chat is that it isn't just one of those, like, especially like. All good Twitter chat hashtags are hijacked. That's just, that goes with the territory. <laughs> yes, we're, yes. But, but at the same time, there's usually what happens is the chat ends uh-huh. and then it just becomes hijacked till the next chat and you, you keep it sort of vibrant and the, and the community knows that. And, you know, to look sort of look, I mean, you know, I'm looking through the questions right now, trying to sort of remind myself of one of the ones that, you know, really, really got, I think, I think, you know, it's, it's funny. The first question, even though first questions are hard because everyone's sort of coming in and some people Mm -hmm. are a little late, but we retweeted it. And, you know, the first question was what kinds of activities or experiences do you engage your students in that spark creativity, but don't lead to a final product being made. And I think that's important because we expect creativity to be this thing where we're, we're, we're done and there's this product, there's a project, something, and we, we turn it in and, and, it's, and it's done. Mm-hmm. And I think that is unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was refreshing to see people describe ways that they use video content where like, the video might get trashed. Like yeah. it might not even be archived. Like we don't need to archive everything. I have, I have a 128 gig <laughs> iPhone and this thing is filled with the media. <laughs> I was in New York last week on vacation with my wife. I have pictures. Will I share those beyond the WhatsApp chat with my family? Like, and they just disappear into oblivion. And it's like, we don't always have to create these fully curated, fully created experiences. And I think to see people share these moments where like, they did experiences that required creative problem solving yes. and employing creative process and practice. But it wasn't something they got turned in. It was something that drove 
a writing assignment. Mm-hmm. It was something that, you know, like I, I created this, uh, this program a couple of years ago that I'm, I'm excited for, for this year to revamp it because it was a collaboration between Writer's Workshop and Scratch Junior. And okay. now that Scratch oh, 3.0, the full-blown Scratch, is coming to the iPad, iPad compatible, I'm ready to like build this out because it really <laughs> had a cap of second, maybe third grade when we pushed it. But they used Scratch Junior as a component for that visual creative part of the writer's workshop, right? So for those not familiar with writer's workshop, you brainstorm and then draw out and then use your drawing as the drive to then write because you visualized it. So we replaced that that analog with a a scratch-coded experience that they then wrote about that story. And there was so much more to write about because it had animation and had audio. And they started to realize so many different avenues that they could use, so many different mediums to then go back to writing. But at the end of the day, it was writing. It was literacy. And yeah, maybe we kept a couple, you know, as as archive. But that wasn't the the focus that wasn't the end game that's a little bit more elaborate but i think it's just like mind mapping and sketch noting and things like that where no it, it doesn't have to be a fully a full done color rendering we want to put it on twitter sketch note it can just be you understanding that this is helping you visually reflect and visually break down um information to make it memorable because that that's really what creativity is about it's about making things memorable yeah so <laughs> You know, it's almost hard having this conversation <laughs> because it's, 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 it's like everything Every, you believe in. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, what do you, you, I think you were starting to mention it about reflection. You, you kind of had, had brought that up. I mean, you know, as, as artists, it, it is something that's really key. And I think you were saying, you know, when, when people give you bad feedback, you know, they give you negative feedback on your piece of art, or they tell you, you know, you're not good at it or whatever. Or even teaching, you know, one of the things that our teachers struggle with is that they want to be beyond proficient. They want to be exceeds, you know, and way up at the top, instead of realizing there's always room for growth. It's okay to be proficient. Um, so that reflective practice in both education and artistry are so essential. And you've mentioned it a couple times. So kind of where, I mean, where do you lie in that? I mean, where do you, how, where does it, I guess, where does it fall in its, in its importance to you? I think, I think it is the single most important way of approaching life for, for every, and everything and anything and for everyone we don't teach this reflective practice and this, this sort of reflection on failure. You know, it's like fail, you know, fail often. I was just, you know, I was watching the, for the umpteenth time, the, this IDEO nightline from like the, you know, the late night. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. Right? The shopping yeah. car, right? Yes. Like, you know, the, the news anchor is like, you know, fail often, you know, fail, whatever he said. I don't remember what the exact <laughs> At this point, you think I should have had the whole thing memorized, but it, it has to be reflective of how can I do better? And it might not even be how do I fix right now? Sometimes we don't have that time. Like, no, we, especially in a, in a K-12 space, like, no, we actually can't go back and, and fix that. But I can grade you and assess you 
on how thoughtful you were along the process. But you have to design an experience that allows for that, right? Yes. So it's, you know, if you're failing a course or you're failing a test, yes, let's be reflective, but I can't give you extra points because you reflected that you waited till the last minute <laughs> and studied properly and, you know, didn't, didn't do proper research or didn't sort, you know, cite sources and things like that. But I think that you have an opportunity as an educator, educator listening to this, and I'm also speaking to myself, that we have an opportunity to provide our students with experiences that let them reflect, have reflection be something that can can complement and also drive other other skills and other other mm-hmm. you know pieces of I mean writing literacy will thrive if you give students opportunities to experience things on their own terms and then write about it. And I remember just my 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 one of my children, my my second oldest his first grade teacher said he doesn't like to write. He won't write. And I'm just, that's okay. I'm going to figure, I'm going to help figure this out. And yeah. obviously we want our, our, our children to, to be successful, just like we want our students to be successful. And then my, my sister lives out of the country. She visits with her husband and they go out to a candy ice cream shop. And then all of a sudden this boy is writing and he's covering page one and he's flipping it over page two and I'm reading it. And it's, first grade, articulate and coherent and inspiring because he's sharing something that he cares deeply about. So if we could stop forcing our students for a moment to conform to the topics, then we might get more output out of them. And then we'd have opportunity to reflect and help them become stronger, more invested writers because we've allowed them to have some sort of control over the process. Then you have things like design thinking itself, and it's explicitly in it, is that the prototype requires you to improve because your first, second, or third try will never be the best. Right. And that, I think, is something that it's, it's very structured and concrete if you allow it to be, but then it can still be very open and and give provide opportunity because it it just it gives a framework of of workflow but not not what is the flow and and how is the flow so that i don't know if i answered the question it's it's such a big <laughs> idea it's almost like its own you know its own fully dedicated conversation but it, it, there yes. needs to be more of it and you know first attempt in learning like that 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 acronym always irked me because it's not like just do it again and give opportunities to do it again. So when I saw that failure, like when it was like revealed to me, I was like, well, this is crazy. <laughs> learning unless reflection exists. You can't make this up. This is real. I Googled like crazy. Like there's no way I came up with this. It had to have been like a Sir Kent Robinson talk. With yeah. <laughs> and at this point now, I'm, I'm almost three years into this acronym. Nobody has called me out. And I don't even like mention anymore that like maybe there's there this is out there like let me know like it it is I've provided opportunity no one has come forth and like I it's mine right now until it's yours it's totally yours (laughs) Um, in fact you should tweet it out to um, this month's we have so Matt and I started about three years ago just just mostly for ourselves and not to see if the hashtag would go anywhere but. Um, just to get people thinking about reflection. Just being aware of reflection. Yeah, and purposely picking the month of August to do it because 
Um, as we, I mean, as teachers, we get, you know, or actually anything, you know, we get ready to start the school year again. And, you know, before you move forward, you got to be able to look back and see mm-hmm. where those improvements can be, because then you can take those improvements on. And so we started this thing called Reflect 31, and that's for the whole month of August to be 31 days of reflection on your educational practice and philosophy. And, you know, this year we're doing a little different in the past. We've had like, you know, a daily prompt or something, but this year we're just doing it around a weekly big idea. And, and this, this week's idea is all around, or the first week of August is, is around triumph. And, you know, what, what is your biggest triumph and whether it's a lesson, whether it's in the classroom, you know, success with a student, one little thing, like getting a kid to write, that's huge. That or, could forever change a child's life. Or maybe opening the eyes of an administrator, you know, who might not see the value in what we're doing or what they're doing. And for them to really be able to see that is, is huge too. Yeah. So, so uh, I guess all of that to say is that we're really <laughs> big believers in the power of reflection and it, it has to be ongoing. It can't be reflection on demand. It just ha- it has to be a part of the, the practice and the process. So um, it's That's just true. really so exciting to hear you speak about it. <laughs> so. Well, it's, it's just, there's no industry that can survive being stagnant. No. And no. it requires reflection and innovation. You look at the car industry, you look at the medical industry. I mean, I guess maybe like, no, I, I mean, I cannot think of another one. Education can still can, can do it. It's, it's really the only space where, because also, and, and to education's credit, we're the only industry where human beings are the final product. And, and I, I have to, I'm always looking at, you know, the, the, the sort of like the, 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 the idea of always looking for the good doesn't mean ignore the bad. It doesn't right. mean be naive, but I always try to. So when I, when I see high, high stake testing and I see really super over the top high stakes emphasis in different um, districts and with different leaders, it's because they care about students. We all care about students and the ones that don't like they get weeded out, they, they burn out or they ride off into the sunset and they really are a minority. But at the same time, we, we have, we have to shift this because there is, so much, so much, so many more opportunities that we can give our students, and 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 we don't, we don't, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. We don't have to flip this over on its head. It can be a, you know, it can yes, twenty percent time, but I think even that is very difficult to manage for teachers. I love the idea of an elective or a lunchtime space where teachers can partner to to offset the burden of it, but give mm-hmm. students a dedicated space of just let's figure things out, let's figure out what you care about, let's experiment, let's explore, and let's make it happen. I think that's just a nice way to also see proof of concept mm-hmm. that could then, because every school community is different, show, well, this is how this would work in our school. Now what? Versus mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, the tech rabbi on the keynote stage talking about his entrepreneur course. Well, like, we can't do that because of A through you know, A through double Z, <laughs> do it in a small, in a small dose and watch, watch the students appreciation soar. They, they appreciate, they, they have appreciation. They have gratitude for those types of opportunities. Yeah. 
You know, it's funny that you say that because I just was talking to our new teachers. Um, I have 13 new art teachers and I said to them, you know, you, you have to eat an elephant in small bites, you know, and you just take a chunk at a time and you keep moving forward. And just kind of the same thing about changing the mindset around creativity. And that's what we were talking about. And, and the buy-in of working collaboratively with general ed teachers and, and making those partnerships impactful for all students. I think that that's so key. Do you have any parting words for the podcast? Just, just start. That, that, those are the words that have driven me. You don't wait. Just get it out there. And understand that we live in a world now where versions 1.0, 2.0 are real for everything. And there's just, there's no more one chances. You, you got to give students the space to just start, the teachers the space to just start, and, and just watch. Watch it be awesome. And if it's not awesome the first time, it'll be awesome the second time mm-hmm. or the third time. It will eventually be awesome. Yeah. It's about legacy. It's not about getting it done the first time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we could probably listen to you talk the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. But um, so we certainly appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us and kind of reflect on your chat that was two weeks ago. Um, and so we just really appreciate it. Thank and you also so for being our start. for helping us start um, this podcast. It's really exciting. It's something that our PLN community has been asking for, and um, we're really thrilled that you're helping us kick it off. 